screen. Go ahead and turn to Acts chapter 13. Acts chapter 13, that's where we're going to be in God's Word today. You might want to turn that mic down just a little bit. I think it's still set for Brother Brandon, and I'm a little louder than him. he is, at least in here. He's really loud over there. Don't let him fool you. How many of you have noticed the cornfields lately? Anybody? Yeah, yeah. Hey, look, I, I noticed the cornfields way back. I remember back in the spring when they were putting the seed in the ground. Uh, I love to see those little little leaves pop up out of the ground, and I, I love to watch them grow. It seemed like every day, whether I was running or driving or what, when I'd pass a cornfield every day, it looked like they were a little bit taller and a little bit taller and a little bit taller. And now you recognize they're all dried up and they're getting cut down and I, I seem to forget sometimes how big those fields are, right? How far they reach. Uh, I was driving by one this morning on the way to church, and I just forgot. I was like, man, that cornfield goes from here to as far as I can see. Like, it flourished, right? And, and I didn't notice just how flourishing it was uh, until it was harvested. Well, today we're going to look at God's Word And the Bible tells us, especially in Acts chapter 13, that God's Word was flourishing during this time. I mean, listen, Jesus had been crucified. He had come back. He told His disciples, hey, you're going to be my witnesses. You're going to go out into Jerusalem, into Judea, into Samaria. And when the the Holy Spirit comes upon you, you will have power. And you're going to tell everybody about me. And what we've noticed throughout the book of Acts is that the apostles, the disciples, all of the Christ followers, they're doing what Jesus said they would do. They're telling people about him. They're telling people about his life, his death, and his resurrection. And every time, it just seems like in every chapter, we are reminded that God's word is flourishing. You know, sometimes we need that reminder, amen? We need to be reminded that God's Word is going to flourish in our world regardless of what this world looks like and acts like. I know we can look around and say, man, this world is is ugly, it's dirty, you know, it's pitiful, but I'm going to tell you something, God's Word is still good and it's still alive and it is still flourishing. And we ought to be reminded of that and I believe we will be reminded of that today in Acts chapter 13. Now, looking back in Acts chapters 11 and 12, we have found out some very important facts about God's church, uh, both the church in Jerusalem, but also the missionary church in Antioch. As a matter of fact, God's church is marked by several things in Acts chapters 11 and 12. And I, I told you this, but I'm going to tell you again. God's church is marked by evangelism. Telling other people about Jesus. It is marked by discipleship. In other words, they were learning the Word of God. And the church is marked by ministry. That means they have eyes like Jesus. They're looking at other people in other places and they're saying, How can I help? What can I do to help? So it's marked by evangelism. It's marked by discipleship. It's marked by ministry. And it's marked by prayer. Over and over again in these chapters, what we have found is that God's people, God's church was praying. They were praying, they were consistently praying, they were constantly praying to God about other believers and about the Word going out and flourishing. The church embraced these markers, if you will. They exercised these markers, their faith, and they told others about Jesus, His life, His death, and His resurrection. Now, in Acts chapter 12, if you'll remember, Peter 
He was exercising his faith, and he saw God move powerfully. But he also faced challenges. And if you'll remember, he was preaching the Word of God. He was proclaiming the Word of God. But King Herod had him arrested. He had him arrested right after James was put to death publicly. And listen, King Herod, he was making plans to publicly kill Peter as well. And Peter, if you'll remember, Peter, he just kept on preaching. And if he, was, he was actually shackled between two guards, and the Bible says he was asleep. He wasn't worried. He was asleep. He knew God had him. These soldiers may have been shackled to him, but they didn't have him. God had him. And the Bible said in the middle of the night, God rescued him. And Peter went back, and he told his brothers and sisters in Christ, hey, it's me. At first, they didn't believe it, right? They had been praying for God to work a miracle. God worked a miracle. And then they said, oh, that ain't Peter. That's, a, that's his angel, right? That, that's not Peter. That's a ghost. No. They told, they told Rhoda, they said, you're crazy. And she said, I'm telling you, I heard Peter. And Peter's like knocking on the door saying, hey, listen, I can't be real loud because um, I got somewhere else I got to go, but it is me. And y'all tell everybody else what God has done. Peter wasn't done, right? He knew that God was going to take him somewhere else to do the same thing. And that's exactly what it tells us. But at the end of Acts, in chapter 12, it says this, the Word of God continued to spread and flourish. It was spreading and flourishing despite the challenges that they faced in this world. It even said that Barnabas and Saul had finished their mission and they came back to Jerusalem with John Mark. And so that's where we pick up in Acts chapter 13. So I want you to look at this with me. God's Word is spreading, it's flourishing. Saul and Barnabas have come back to the church in Jerusalem. They brought a man with them, John Mark, who was also going to preach and proclaim the Word of God. And this is what it says in the first three verses. And this this is going to be our focus passage, but it really sets the tone for the whole chapter. So look at the first three verses, Acts chapter 13, beginning in verse 1. It says, Now in the church at Antioch there were prophets and teachers, Barnabas, Simeon called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Manan, who had been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch, and Saul. While they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. So after they had fasted and prayed, they placed their hands on them and sent them off. Listen, what we see in this passage of Scripture are four very important words. The first two, set apart. The second two, sent off. Both Saul and Barnabas were set apart by God, and they were sent off by the church. That's what I want you to see. First of all, they were set apart by the Holy Spirit of God. You know what that reminds me of? It reminds me of the Old Testament, the prophet Jeremiah. Don't you love the book of Jeremiah? I know I do. I love the book of Jeremiah, especially the first chapter. And listen to what it says in Jeremiah chapter 1, verse 5. God was talking to Jeremiah, and here's what he said. Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart. Set apart. I appointed you as a prophet to the nations. Here's what I want you to know about Saul. Before this, before his encounter with Jesus Christ... 
He was the chief persecutor of the church. He was the chief persecutor of believers in Jesus Christ. And I'm going to tell you, there weren't many people in the world looking at Saul going, oh yeah, he was set apart by God. He was set apart by God to do a great work for God. I'm telling you, most people, they looked at Saul and they went the other way because they knew that either prison or death was coming with him. And so it was hard for the world to look at Saul and go, yeah, that's a man set apart by God. He's going to be sent off by God to bring people to the Lord, to proclaim Jesus Christ. I guarantee you that wasn't being said about Saul. But God said before Saul was ever born, right, before he was ever formed in the womb, God had plans for him. God had plans for him. I love Jeremiah chapter 29, verse 11. I remember way back in Sunday school when I was in the youth group, Brother Don and Sherry, when they were teaching us, Don, I can't remember how many times you quoted this passage of Scripture, brother. But I'm telling you, it seemed like every Sunday. And what a powerful word it was. Listen to this, Jeremiah 29, 11, For I know the plans I have for you. That's God, right? That's God talking. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you a hope and a future. Listen, just as Jeremiah was created by God and for God, just as Jeremiah was set apart by God, for God, to do a great work in God's kingdom, Barnabas and Saul were created by God and for God. And the Bible says that they were set apart by God. The Holy Spirit spoke to the church and said, set these two men apart. They have been set apart by God. I think this is so awesome that the Holy Spirit of God is speaking to the whole church, don't you? I love that. It's not just the Holy Spirit of God speaking to the pastor or just the deacon. No, it says he spoke to the church. He spoke to everyone, the body. And he said, set apart Barnabas and Saul for the work I have for them. Now, I'm going to be honest with you. Um, I believe what this means is that each one of you, each one of you, if you, if you are breathing today and you are looking at me and you are listening to me, please hear these words. You have been created by God for God. No matter what anybody else tells you, you have been created by God and for God. I'm going to tell you something else. The breath that you have in your body, the life you have, that was a gift to you from God. You are no accident. And I don't care what your life has looked like before. I only care what you hear right now. Here's what I want you to hear. God's got plans and purposes for you. And it's good. He has created you. For himself, and he has given you plans. He has given you purpose. And I'm going to tell you, it's for his kingdom, it's for his glory. And that's what we see in Jeremiah, that's what we see in Barnabas and Saul. And so I want you to hear that today. God created you intentionally, and he created you with a purpose and a plan. Now, here's the truth you get to decide what to do with that. You get to decide what to do with that. It's called free will. God created you and me with free will. We will either receive God's love, grace, and mercy that is found in Jesus Christ. We'll either receive God's plans and purposes that he has for us, or we'll reject it. We'll reject it. Listen, for a long time, Saul rejected it, didn't he? He thought he was doing God a favor, when in actuality, he wasn't doing anybody a favor, especially God. But Jesus, amen? The Bible said Jesus appeared to him. And Jesus changed his life from the inside out. 
And we're seeing the fruit of that now. What a blessing that the Holy Spirit of God spoke to the church and said to the church, hey, these two men who have come back to you, Barnabas and Saul, they've been set apart. They've been set apart for the plans I have for them. Listen, not the plans the church had for them, right? It's the plans that God had for them. And so what did the church do? I'll tell you what the church did. The church sent them off. Barnabas and Saul were sent off, right, by the church. I love this. Listen to Proverbs 16, verse 9. Proverbs 16, 9 says, In their hearts, humans plan their course, but it is the Lord who establishes their steps. Proverbs 19, 21 says, Many are the plans in a person's heart, but it is the Lord's purpose that prevails. Did you hear that? It is the Lord's purpose that prevails. I love this. Listen, this wasn't the church's plan. This was God's plan. And God spoke to the church and invited the church to get on board and be a part of it. Don't you love that? That's good news for us because I believe today God is still speaking to us. And God is still inviting us to participate in what He wants to do. And we better be careful, right? Because we can make plans too. And we can say, let's do this, let's do that, let's do this, let's do that. And if we're not careful, our own plans, no matter how good they might be, might actually contradict God's. And so if we're not in God's Word and God's Spirit is not in us and leading us and guiding us, we can get in the way of God. But the Bible's very clear. My way and your way ain't what prevails. (laughs) Star Baptist Church's way ain't what prevails. You know whose way prevails? God's and God alone. That's a good word. I can't imagine what this church was feeling. I can't imagine what they were thinking uh, in, this, in this day, right? They, they had experienced a powerful move of the Holy Spirit of God. They had seen thousands saved, lives transformed and changed. Churches are growing, right? Right? The mother church has sent out missionaries and the missionary church is ministering to the mother church and other churches are popping up and and God is just moving powerfully. And this church loved and respected Barnabas and Saul. You say, Brother Jeff, how do you know they loved and respected Barnabas and Saul? Because when stuff started happening in Antioch and in other places, who did they send to investigate it, to make sure it was the Holy Spirit? They sent Barnabas and Saul. So these men were respected and trusted and loved. And so this moment, it must have been a rewarding moment to hear God say, to hear the Holy Spirit of God say, hey, church, set apart these two men. But at the same time, do you think it might have been a little difficult to hear? Like, wait a minute, they just got back to us. (laughs) We, We want to be taught by them. We want to learn from them. We want to see them minister and move in our midst. And now you're telling us, Hey, we got to send them out? We got to do what you want us to do? I wonder if there was any selfishness at all in this church. Well, to be honest with you, the answer is right here. Because immediately, what did they do? Immediately when the Spirit said, set apart Barnabas and Saul for the work I have called them to do, immediately what did they do? They prayed, they fasted, and they laid hands on them. And what did they do? See you guys later. They sent them off. They sent them off. So what I see in this passage of Scripture is not any selfishness at all. I see a church that is surrendered to the plans and purposes of God. 
That's what I see. And so the church fasted for them. They prayed for them. They placed hands on them and they sent them out. This was about God's purposes and plans. More marks, listen to me, more marks of a godly church, not just evangelism, not just discipleship, not just ministry, not just prayer. More marks of a godly church is surrender and obedience, right? Surrender and obedience. This was a church that was surrendered to God's plans and purposes and not their own. This was a church that was obeying God and not man. And so that's more marks of a godly church. So what happened? What, what were these men set apart to do? What were they sent off to do? That's the question, right? The Bible says, I've set them apart to do the work that I have called them to do. And the church said, yes, Lord, prayed for them, fasted, placed hands on them, and sent them out. So what were they set apart and sent off to do? Well, I'll tell you. Verses 5 through 12 says that they proclaimed the Word of God. They were set apart to proclaim the Word of God. They were sent off and sent out to proclaim the Word of God. Was it easy for them? Well, if you read the Scriptures, you'll find out real fast. It may have been easy for them to proclaim it with their mouths, but their eyes and ears had to see and hear things that wasn't so easy. As a matter of fact, they faced challenges. One challenge came from a sorcerer, a false prophet named Bar-Jesus. Bar-Jesus was the servant of a guy named Sergius Paulus. Now, Sergius Paulus was a very high-up man. I mean, he was a very important man, okay? And so he was serving this man, Sergius Paulus. The Bible tells us in verses 5 through 12 that Sergius Paulus had already been stirred by God. The Spirit had already stirred his heart because he wanted to hear the Word of God. But he didn't have anybody to listen to, right? Not until... Barnabas and Saul showed up. So Barnabas and Saul show up, and Bar-Jesus, you know what it says about him? Because he's a false prophet and a sorcerer, the Bible says he opposed them. So right off the bat, right, they go out, they know they're set apart, they know God has sent them out, and can you imagine how excited they are, right? We get to preach the Word to people we've never seen before, people have never heard. We get to preach the Word, and right off the bat, boom, opposition. A guy named Bar-Jesus. He opposes them. The Bible tells us that he did not want Sergius Paulus to come to faith. He did not want him to call, come to faith. But verse 9 says this, Saul was filled with the Holy Spirit. Listen, God ain't going to set you apart and send you out without enabling you and empowering you. You hear me? If God has set you apart, <laughs> his hand is on you. If God sends you out, his spirit's going to be in you. You have nothing to fear. Nothing to fear because if God sets you apart and sends you out, he's got you. And so the Bible says Saul was filled with the Holy Spirit. And he told Bar-Jesus what the Lord was going to do. He said, he's going to blind you. You're going to be in darkness for a time. And someone's going to have to lead you. And guess what happened? Bar-Jesus was blinded. He was in darkness, which actually goes back to words that Jesus spoke in Matthew. But I'm not going to preach that sermon today. Prophet, right? His prophecy's coming true. The proconsul, Sergius Paulus, actually saw what the Lord was doing through Saul and Barnabas. And look at verse 12. It says that Sergius Paulus believed. He believed in the teaching of the Lord. Most theologians, and I believe personally, that in that moment, 
he believed in the Lord as Savior. That's what I believe. I believe the man got saved right then. I believe his life was changed forever right then. So what does that tell me? What does that tell you? What does that tell us? Even in the midst of the worldly opposition we will face, and guess what? We will face it. Even in the midst of worldly opposition, the Lord's plans will prevail. Do you hear me? No matter how hard a nation or a government or a president or a leader will push against God's word, I'm going to just tell you something. God's word will have the final say. God's word will flourish. God's word will prevail. And that's what I see right here. Listen to me. Satan does not want to see God's kingdom expand. Just like Bar-Jesus didn't want to see God's kingdom expand by one. He didn't want his master, Sergius Paulus, to become a Christian. But guess what? God said, I got plans for him. I set him apart too. That man got saved. Not only do they stop there, they keep on going, right? God set him apart and sent him off. The church sent him off, so they keep on going. So what does it tell us? In verse 32, it says, they told more people the good news. So they proclaimed the word of God. Now they're telling more people the good news. And as we see in this passage, they were speaking primarily in the Jewish synagogues. That's where they were speaking primarily. They were speaking primarily to Jews, but the Bible tells us that there were some Gentiles who also believed and were hearing their words. And what the Bible tells us in verse 13 is that Saul is now called Paul. A lot of people ask me, Brother Jeff, where does that happen? Acts chapter 13, right here, verse 13. It just switched. I, don't ask me why. I can't tell you why. It's because God said so. <laughs> right? In the first 12 verses, he's Saul. In verse 13, he's Paul. Period. So anyway, Paul stands up. He proclaims the word of God. He tells them the good news. And I'm not going to read the whole passage. I encourage you to go back and read it later. But I will tell you in a nutshell what Paul did. He started in the Old Testament. And he started talking about what God was doing through Moses and Abraham and God's children. And then he gets to King David. And he says, here's what he did with King David. And you know who he's getting to, right? He's saying all that work God did at the beginning with Moses and the laws. And he gets up to King David and all that he was doing to King David, it got them to who? Jesus, that's right. Because the Bible says he told them about the Savior, Jesus Christ. That's what it says in verse 30. He tells them that God raised Jesus from the dead. So what did Paul preach? What did Paul tell them? He told them the good news. What is the good news? The good news is this. Our sin, our sin nature has separated us from God. But God loved us so much that he gave his one and only son, Jesus Christ. And Jesus Christ came to us and he lived a perfect life. And Jesus Christ went to the cross and he died on the cross. He spilled his blood for our sins so that we might be right with God. They killed him. They put him in the grave. But the grave couldn't hold him because three days later, Jesus rose up out of that grave. He defeated sin and death. And all we got to do is repent of our sin and put our faith and trust in Jesus Christ and we can be born again. So that's what Paul preached. That's what Paul preached. He preached the perfect life of Jesus Christ, the sacrificial death of Jesus Christ, and the victorious resurrection of Jesus Christ. So they preached, right? They preached. Listen to this. Matter of fact, Acts chapter 13. Listen to what it says. 
Acts chapter 13, verses 38 and 39. Therefore, my friends, here's the message. Therefore, my friends, I want you to know that through Jesus, the forgiveness of sins is proclaimed to you. Through him, everyone who believes is set free from every sin, a justification you were not able to obtain under the law of Moses. Woo, listen to me. You might be going, well, what's the big deal? Because that's Paul saying that. Because guess what Paul lived most of his adult life doing? Preaching and proclaiming the law. We do God a favor by doing this, the law. We can be right with God by doing this, by keeping the law. And now this man is saying, hey, the law can't do what only Jesus can do. The law can't forgive you of your sin. And the law can't justify you from your sin. Only Jesus can do that. That's a pretty big message right there. That's a pretty powerful message coming from a guy who believed that it was all about the law for all of his life up until this point. But now this man who is filled by the Holy Spirit of God, who's been changed by Jesus Christ, his life, his death, his resurrection, is preaching Jesus Christ alone. I love this. They preach forgiveness of sin. Anybody here need forgiveness of sin? Yeah, you better raise your hand. Yeah, everybody in this room, everybody listening to my voice, everybody who ain't listening to my voice. Yeah, we need forgiveness. You want to know why? Because we're sinners, every single one of us. Every single one of us. We need the forgiveness of sins. I'm going to tell you something else. We need justification. But here, here's, here's a truth you need to understand and listen to. There ain't nothing you can do to justify yourself before God. You can't teach Sunday school long enough. You can't rely on mom and daddy enough. You can't tithe enough. Listen, this church can't build enough buildings enough to be justified with God. But thank God all we got to do All we got to do is trust God. All we got to do is believe in what God has done to us, through us, and for us. His name is Jesus. Jesus is the one who forgives sins. Jesus is the one who brings justification. No law can do that. No work can do that. Only Jesus. I love Dr. David Jeremiah. This is what he says. He said the resurrection confirmed what Jesus did on the cross to accomplish the forgiveness of sin, and it also provides hope for what is yet to come. Listen, Paul understood the law as well as anybody. And he understood that the law could not do what only Jesus did. Jesus was the only one who could set the captives free. Jesus was the only one who could make man right with God, and he did that with victory. He did that with victory through his death, and through his resurrection. I wish I could tell you that the challenges go away. I wish I could tell you that the opposition goes away. But if you keep reading chapter 13, the Bible says in verse 44 that the whole city gathered to hear the word of the Lord. Now, that's cool. That's really good, right? He started off in Jewish synagogues, and it was Jewish and Gentile believers listening at first. And I believe he was looking... I believe he was talking to that Jewish audience who had been trusting in the law of Moses to make them right before God. I really believe that message was pointed at them, but he said, hey, anybody wants to hear it, come on. And so guess what happens? It tells us. It says right here in verse 44, the whole city gathered to hear the word of the Lord. That's great. But if you keep reading, right, verse 45, it says the Jews did not like the crowds gathering to hear the message that Paul had to preach. 
I'm going to tell you what they didn't like. They didn't like Jesus Christ being glorified and magnified. They didn't like the life, the death, and the resurrection being preached. You know what they wanted to be preached? The law. They wanted the law to be preached. Well, guess what? Paul wasn't set apart and sent off to preach the law. Paul was set apart and sent off to preach Jesus. And I'm thankful he did. The Bible says in verse 44 that the Jews began heaping abuse on him. They began heaping abuse on him. What we see right here in this passage of Scripture, I'll tell you what it is. You may not like the terminology, but here it is. It's spiritual warfare. It's spiritual warfare. You may go, Brother Jeff, ah, no, it is. It's spiritual warfare. It's the darkness of this world. It's the prince of this world, Satan, who don't like what's going on. And so he's getting in the minds and the hearts of people who don't know God, and he's using them to abuse and to heap abuse on people who are preaching Jesus. And I'm going to tell you something. What happened right here in Acts chapter 13 is happening today too. Satan don't like Brother Jeff up here preaching Jesus. Satan don't like Star Baptist Church teaching and preaching Jesus to the community she's been placed in. Satan don't like any of us standing on the Word of God, believing in and living out loud the Word of God. Satan don't like that. And so he's going to send his demons. He's going to use any darkness. He's going to use anything and everything he can to distract us and to destroy us. You don't believe me? You better believe Jesus because you know, guess what Jesus said in John 10.10? He said there's a thief that's come to do what? Steal, kill, and destroy you. And Jesus said, but I... I have come so that you may have what? Life. And have it to the full. Have it abundantly. And so just as there was spiritual warfare, right, in gospel ministry on that day, I believe there's spiritual warfare going on today. I'm going to tell you something else. I wish I could tell you that everybody there that day heard the Word of God proclaimed by Paul and believed it. But guess what? That's not what it says. It doesn't say that. Some of them embraced it. Some of them rejected it. Others just kind of got caught up and listened for a little bit. Didn't do nothing with it. Acts 13, verses 49 through 52. You know what it tells us, though? It tells us that the word of the Lord spread throughout the whole region. So guess what? Them Jews who tried to heap abuse and criticism and ridicule on Paul, that might have been their plan, but guess whose plan prevailed? God's. The Lord's plan prevailed. No matter how strong them Jews might have been who didn't like to hear the word Jesus, the name Jesus, didn't want to see Paul preaching the, the, the power of the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus, they tried to shut him up. They tried to shut him up with abuse and ridicule. They tried to spread lies about him. Well, guess what? <laughs> Verses 49 through 52 says, The word of the Lord spread throughout the whole region. And guess what the Jews kept on doing? It said the Jewish leaders stirred up persecution against Paul and Barnabas. But guess what, right? We see what happens when the persecution, right, is stirred up against Paul and Barnabas. You know what Paul and Barnabas did? They did exactly what Jesus said to do. It says this. It says they shook the dust off their feet as a warning to them. Hey, we have come and we have done what we were supposed to do. We were supposed to proclaim the Word of God. We were supposed to tell others the good news. We were supposed to preach the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of sins, for the justification that only Jesus could could give. If you don't like that, tough. Those of you who do, keep on keeping on, brothers and sisters. And for those of you that want to oppose us, those of you that want to try to persecute us, here we go. 
We'll shake the dust off of our feet and we'll go to the next place God's called us. That's what they did. Matter of fact, I love the way it ends in verse 52, right? You would think after just reading, right, you'd you'd think that after just reading persecution, heaping of abuse, you would think, man, this is going to end in a somber note. Well, that ain't God. Because here's what it says in verse 52. And the disciples were filled with what? You say the word. Filled with what? Joy and filled with what? The Holy Spirit. (laughs) So listen to me. And and I've had a I've had a hard time in my life understanding this completely, and I've had an even more difficult time embracing this. Listen, my job ain't to save. You want to know why? Because I can't. My job ain't to save because I can't. What I've been set apart to do and what I've been sent out to do is to proclaim the Word of God. What I've been set apart to do and what I've been sent out to do is to tell others the good news. What I've been set apart to do and what I've been sent out to do is to preach the forgiveness of sin and justification from God that comes through Jesus Christ. And I leave the saving to Him. I leave the saving to Him. You know what else I do? I expect opposition. I expect it. I know know what country I live in. (laughs) I know what world I live in. I know what... what morality or lack of, I'm surrounded by. And here's the thing, I'm part of the problem. You may not want to admit that, but so are you. Because many times we don't have a problem when God says something over here. But when we flip over here and God says this, and it calls to surrender or sacrifice or to get over myself, i got a problem with it. So I'll just skip that chapter. Let me see, I want some more of that joy. Some more of that Holy Spirit. I don't want that part where James is killed publicly with a sword. Mm. I don't want that part where, you know, where, where Peter is put in prison between two soldiers who want to kill him. I don't like this part where it says I'm supposed to submit. I want to talk about that part where I have power and I have authority. See, I think we've got a problem not just in our world, but in our church and picking and choosing what we want to believe and not believe in this Bible. And I'm going to tell you something, that's dangerous. You ain't got to be worried about me because I can't do nothing to you and I ain't going to do nothing to you. But when you start saying, I don't believe this, but I do believe this, you got a problem with God. And I'm going to tell you something. I just read it to you, and if you want me to read it to you again, I will. I'll tell you what it says in Proverbs. You can make all the plans you want to in your heart, but it's the Lord's purpose that will prevail. You you can say what you want, but at the end of the day, guess what's going to flourish forever and what's going to stand forever? This right here. The Word of God. Jeff's Word's going to fall away, but God's Word never will. Jeff's beliefs and Jeff's interpretations are going to go in the grave with him in the dirt one day, but God's Word will never go there. It'll always be alive. It'll always be active. It'll always be true. So I'm going to tell you something. I'm going to get on board with God. I choose to get on board with God. I choose to believe what he said to me, Jeff, before you were formed, before you were in your mother's womb. I knew you, son. Jeff, before you breathed a breath of air in this world, I created you for me. And I set you apart, son, to do this, to go there. I choose to believe that. I choose to embrace that. See, I have what's called saving faith. That's what I have. And I believe many of you have it in this building. Some of you may not. 
You might say, well, Brother Jeff, what is saving faith? Well, let me tell you what saving faith is not. Saving faith is not about keeping the law. Saving faith is about knowing the Savior personally and intimately. And you might say, well, Jeff, how can you say that? I say that because of a guy named Saul who now is a guy named Paul. That's why I say it. Because he was all about keeping the law and doing God favors with the law. And guess where it got him? It got him to a road of Damascus where he was blinded. And Jesus said, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? You think you're doing God a favor, but you're not. You're persecuting me. And Saul said, what, what do I do? And God said, I got plans for you. I got purpose for you. Go here. And his life was changed forever. Why? Because of Jesus. It wasn't nothing he did. It's what Jesus did. Amen? And so saving faith is not about keeping laws. Saving faith is about knowing the Savior personally and intimately. If we have repented of our sin and trusted in Jesus Christ as Savior, then we've experienced salvation from God. We've been baptized by the Spirit. We have an opportunity every day to wake up filled with the Spirit, the same Spirit that Paul was filled with when he preached the gospel, knowing that he was going to face opposition, knowing that people were going to heap abuse on him, and he kept on preaching. We can know who we are. We can know why we are. Because God said so. See, as God's children, and listen, here, here, here's the thing. You may not have been set apart and sent out to be a preacher at Start Baptist Church. You may not have been set apart and sent out to be a teacher in the Sunday school class. But I'm going to tell you something. If you're a child of God, you have been set apart. And you have been sent out. You've been sent out into that home you live in with your spouse and your children. You've been sent out to that workplace that you go to every day. You've been sent out to that school, students, that you go to all year long. Oh, yeah, you've been set apart and sent out. And so here's, here's the truth. As God's children and God's ambassadors, we are set apart and sent out to tell others the good news of Jesus Christ. That's what we've been sent out to do. We've been set apart. We've been made holy by God through Jesus Christ to go out and preach and tell people the good news of Jesus Christ. And whether it's on a Sunday morning, you know, with a, with a sermon, or whether it's just, hey, listen, can I pray for you? I know you've been struggling. Can I pray for you? Hey, can I help you? God, God has called me to, to help you. Man, whatever it is, you can preach and you can teach Jesus Christ wherever you are. And I'm going to tell you, if you got this, you got all you need. If you got this, you got all you need. You got all you need. You ain't got to have a title like pastor or a degree. If you got Jesus, you got enough. And so we recognize and we realize the great calling in our lives. We recognize and we realize the spiritual warfare that is taking place. We recognize and we realize that it's our part to tell and let God do the saving. And I'm going to tell you, there's freedom in that. There's freedom in that. Knowing that I'm doing what God's told me to do and that he's going to take care of the rest, man, I'm just going to keep doing what he's called me to do and just believe that, that he's going to do what he says he's going to do. That's what Paul and Barnabas did. That's what the early church did. So here's my prayer for us. Lord, help us do the same. Amen? Help us do the same. Listen, today, sitting in this room, there may be a Sergius Paulus. There may be somebody who decided to come to Start Baptist Church today because God stirred their heart because they wanted to hear the word. Well, guess what? You've heard it today. There ain't no more messages to preach other than that one. Jesus Christ lived a perfect life. He died a sacrificial death on the cross. He did that for you. 
He rose from the grave to defeat sin and death so that you might have life, have it to the full, have it abundantly, have it eternally. The Bible says that if you will confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, that He lived and died and rose again, you will be saved. The Bible says all you have to do is repent of your sin, turn from it, and God will forgive you through Jesus Christ. That's the message. So if you're Sergius Paulus in here today and you came to hear, I pray to God you heard. I also pray to God that you'll believe like he did in verse 12. And if you're a Christ follower in here, and if you're a church gathered today, which you are, then I pray you see the the markers of the church here in Acts chapter 13. Evangelism, discipleship, ministry, prayer, surrender, and obedience. Maybe Maybe you're a Paul and a Barnabas in this room today. Maybe God has set you apart and called you to do something and you haven't been quite obedient to it yet, but now you need to say, Lord, I hear you and I surrender. So yes, I'll go to that man. I'll go to that woman. I'll go to this workplace. I'll go to my wife. I'll go to my husband. I'll go to my children. I'll go to the community and I'll tell them about Jesus. God's purpose will prevail. You can either get on board with it or you can look out because his purpose is going to prevail.